0: If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at give. Thank you for listening. I've been using Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and I, and I want to concentrate on verse 2 today. So if you have your word, uh, open it up on your device or your Bible, however you have it. I'm going to read kind of a modern translation, NLT is what I use. Personally, uh, I like the way it speaks, but whatever version, I won't judge you. But NLT is good. All right. Word of God says this. Chapter 12 of Romans, verse 2. And listen to the wording. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But but let God transform you. Everybody say transform. transform. But let God transform you into a new person... By changing, and, and this is—if you haven't really looked at this verse, this is one that, and I love it because it, a lot of people, I think, misinterpret how God does this, and it's very clear here. And we're going to take a look at that today. It says, "But, uh, but allow, or, or where was I? <laughs> changing. Oh yeah, a person by changing the way you think, by changing the way you think." then you will learn then you will learn to know god's will and what his will is for you which is and look at the listing here paul's an intelligent man very intelligent highly educated and when he throws out words it's not just to fill space he's not trying to get to 250 words for this document he's he's saying things for a purpose he says this is what god's will is for you which is Good, and pleasing, and perfect. And this is so that you'll learn what is God's will, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Good, pleasing, and perfect. Good, pleasing, and perfect. Good, pleasing, and perfect. That's God's will. His will. So I I, want to, if I could, entitle today's message, Copycat. Copycat. right? Thinking, what is this guy? He's already out in left field, right? Uh, copycat. So just turn where you're seated. Don't, we don't need to take a, a, much more time. Just turn to the person and say, hey, don't be a copycat, All right? Just turn to the person and say, don't be a copycat. All right. And meanwhile, I'm going to grab my water. Thank you. Amen. Don't be a copycat. Oh, the brother told me there was water over here. <laughs> Second one. Sorry, brother Romo. All right. <laughs> Act like I've never been here. Okay, don't be a copycat. Now, see, how many, if you're a little older, how many remember way back in elementary school? Ooh, okay, dust, dust off the cobwebs, <laughs> think of uh, elementary school. Do you remember we'd be sitting at your, your desk or table and you're coloring, you're working on something? A- and then You notice that the person next to that's looking and like doing the same thing. Like, hey, don't be a copycat. And you kind of put your shoulder over and you kind of cover it a little bit. and, And you look around, stop, you know, don't be a copycat, copycat. Right. There's this real negative overtone of of being a copycat, you know, and and then you see it from it goes from maybe in elementary into junior high. And and then it kind of shifts a little bit, probably more the the young ladies and the guys. And and oh, I have those shoes. She's a copycat. And, you know, and it's like then they're bickering back and forth. She got those shoes because I got them and she just wants to be like me. Right. A copycat. I mean, we all had our experiences as we were younger with copycat, copycat. And Paul, as he, again, this, this just profound guy, he, he, he's riding and he understands this whole thought process. He, he gets humanity. You know, he, he studied how we think. And, and as I said, an educated man. And so he, he, he's picturing and, and, and he's looking at humanity how we think how we move he's he's looking and he's thinking i know how the enemy of our soul what the enemy of our soul is is thinking and how he's kind of working and 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 kind of twisting things in our minds and he brings those together in this verse this is what what Romans 12:2 is about and so maybe paul and back then didn't have and he didn't use the word copycat but he gets into and he's saying, look, we're created, it, it, us, we, people, we're created in the image of God. And, and there's, there's this innate within our, our DNA, there's this, this formulation within us that God has, has woven. If you look at Psalm 139, a powerful psalm, my favorite psalm, and it talks about DNA, DNA. A, a woven kind of a, this this ladder, or, or it's it's describing DNA. If you look at it, and he says, you, "You take this, and we're created, and in that that structure of who we are, God instilled when he he gathered up the mud and and formed us and created us, and he he blew that 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 numos, that life into us." It, it says that. That in that, God created so that we have this desire. So that we have this innate built thing that we want to be like God. We want to we reflect who God is. There's this natural draw to, a, to have a relationship with God. Think about it. Adam would walk with God every day. Just out there talking verbally. He heard the, the, the verbal, you know, audible voice of God. Hey, what's up, God? Check this out. And he would be sharing with him just... Going through life. And, and as he did that, the enemy's studying all of this. And then we, we get to the point where, where Eve comes into play. And, and as she is deceived through the enemy. And, and the question that's asked, and, and I state this, and, and not focusing on the women. I'm focusing in on the fall of man, uh, humanity. The question that's asked is, are, are, is that really what God says? And now it becomes kind of a perversion of thought. A perversion of thought. Is that really what God's saying? Or is He trying to hold you back? Is there something greater? And He changes our our innate desire to be with God and have a relationship and and to, to reflect God into now switching. No, you can do better There's something else out there that he's hiding from you. He wants you for himself, but there's something else. And Romans 12, too, And and I shared this with the men because it's just been on my heart as I've been preaching on this back on a series back home. And and the the word that Paul uses, again, I stated that Paul isn't going to throw out a word just to throw a word out there. And, And maybe in your version where this says, you know, don't don't be don't copy. Your version might have said, don't be conformed, or it might have said, don't imitate. And in our vernacular, in our understanding of the words, we kind of get an idea and saying, okay, don't don't be like. But Paul's word goes way deeper, way deeper, because he uses a Greek word, and the Greek word is "sōs kai mat idzo," right? Now, then most of us don't go around using that word. Hey, so's kai whoa You know, we, we don't use that, right? We don't use that word. But here, that word conformed or imitate, so kai there's it's a conjunction of words. And the first part of it is the 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 sin s y n, which you know where we get uh, uh, you know sin the same, something like, something similar to, right? Uh, uh, it's synonymous in words that we get like the s y n. So that's the first part of the word, sin, to be identified with. The second is the the, the Maedzo part, which is having an outward shape. Now, it's not so much just the like synonyms and something similar. The true meaning of that SYN, as I kind of re- refer to it, is an identity. So catch this. Don't, it, it, you got to get this to get what I'm saying today. Your identity, don't let your identity be shaped and formed from things on the outside. Let me, let me say that again. This is a huge... This is, this, is, this is it. This is all I got. This is, this is the big one here. So listen. You don't let your identity... Don't let who you really are... Don't let that be affected... By... The outward... Impressing upon you. The molding. The pressures... Don't let that change your identity. Don't let, we'll see later, the world change your identity. Now, what is your identity? Two ways you can look at it. You go back to the original. We're created in what? God's image. That's our identity. We are an image of God, meaning we have him in us. That's why he breathed in us. We're part of who God is in the sense of that's why we're always longing to look for something that we'll never find in the world. We're always searching, 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 trying this, trying that, doing all these things because what we're really, really trying to get to is back to be connected with God. But because of the fall of man, it separates and there's a disconnect. And no matter what we try, we can never get back into the connection with God. But thankfully... Christ then fills the gap through His death on the cross and His resurrection. And now we have the power and the liberty now to approach God again. We once more can now come before Him. And so our former identity... That was perverted and changed and fallen has been reestablished through Christ. And so now we pick up a new identity in Jesus Christ. So now we have the identity of Christ. And now Paul's saying, now put this kind of together Paul's saying, Don't let your identity, whether you're talking the image of God of who he made us or whether you're talking the the true now new pact of image of Christ, of being connected through God, through Christ. Don't let the world shape and mold and change your true identity. Right? He's saying we need to stand firm in who we are in Christ. No wavering. No moving. Not because you're with this group, oh, I'll kind of look like, okay, I can look like this on Christ. No, 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 no. You always stay the same. This is me in Christ. No matter what's around you. No matter what pressures, what issues, what situations, what life throws at you, what waves are coming and crashing against you, what winds of life are blowing, I'm still the same. I Identity in Christ is right here. Right? No wavering. And so, so... Paul's saying, don't let that stuff affect you. Don't let that change you. Don't let the culture. Look at as it goes and says. And let me make sure, because I don't want to misquote something. Don't let or don't copy. So it's kind of Itsu, the behavior and customs of this world. Don't let your identity be changed by the behaviors and the customs of this world, meaning the things that are not of God. And you say, well, you know, well, what's the things of God? Come on, we all know. It's pretty clear. We read scripture and we know who God is and what holiness is. That's of God. And if you want lists, there's lists. Pastor Daniel can give you lists. It's in, in Galatians. You want to see what's of the world? It's there. We don't, I mean, it's very clear in scripture. Just read Galatians. You'll see it there. And if you don't know what part, read the whole thing. And so Paul's saying, don't let the behaviors and the customs. And, and you know, I I'm, I'm, you know, don't think I'm going to confess everything to you here. But I, I start to think about the behaviors and the custom of this world. And my mind... Goes back to a time that you know I I like to keep in the past. A time where my identity of who I was in Christ was being shaped, changed, molded by things of the world. As I hung out with people that didn't have an identity of Christ, I started to instead of impress upon them my identity. Their identities, behaviors, customs started to shape and change who I was to the point where where God really had to shake me, move me, beat me up a little bit spiritually to say, wake up, wake up, reestablish your identity. And and so for me, in my life, Romans chapter 12, one and two have a deep meaning because Some of us maybe haven't made a decision and we're shaped and molded by the world, the customs and the behaviors. And then others, maybe we've accepted Christ and and at some point we kind of fall away a little bit and we're shaped and molded by the customs of the world. But the beautiful thing is that God's mercy, mm, God's mercy, God's mercy is so great. That even if we've done these mistakes, slip, fall, tripped, you know, uh, when we're, we're, we're literally just kind of crawling up to the cross again, He just reaches down, pulls us back up, reestablishes us. And, and if you've never read the, the, I hope at some point, the prodigal son or seen something, read, heard, a preaching on it, but, but that's what it is. It's the Father, God, who brings in the Son that, Man, you talk about being shaped and molded by the customs and, and the world. Comes in, and he's, I know I shouldn't even be here, but man, dad, if you can just let me just work here, just like a hired dude, and, and just so I get square meals a day and have a roof to sleep, a place to sleep. And the dad's like, Are you nuts? You're my son. And he reestablishes his identity, puts that ring back on, and says, oh, you don't get it. You're my son. And so as we're adopted into Christ, sometimes I know we're going to slip or we're going to have a little bit of struggle, but we can be reestablished in God. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, uh, just like Paul tells, and he says, should we sin then, so that there's more grace? Nah, come on. Uh, No one would advocate that. No one's saying that. What I'm saying is, thank God for His mercy. Thank God we can always run back to Him. And so... No matter what has happened and what has impressed upon us and where we're at, we, we, we stand firm in our identity in Christ. And, and then as we, we push back and rather than the customs of the age and the behaviors pressing on us. And man, I'll just give a, a quick example. But I, I, I'm not your pastor, so I don't want to step over a fine line and, and tell me, hey, shut up, brother. That's not where you need to go if I, I step too far. But... One of those, those easy ways that the enemy kind of maneuvers those lines and tricks us and is the, the social mm, behaviors of the day, right? Where it's really easy because you're in the group and you have kind of protection, not just social media, but in a group setting and, and well, it's just a little bit. It's not too big. It's not, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go way overboard. I'm just, you know, I'm just barely just kind of like just going to stick my foot in the, the pool a little bit, you know. And, and, and God saying, no, don't, don't let that establish, stay strong in your identity. And so don't allow even just a little bit to enter in. And, and, and don't even dabble in, in saying, well, it's just a, a social this or a social. No, 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 no. Stand firm in the identity of Christ and what his word teaches us. And what his word teaches us. And, then, and so then we get to the, the man, the, the, uh, the good part, if you will, it says, but let God transform you into a new person by the changing of. And if I left that blank and you didn't know what verse I was talking about and you didn't know the verse, most people would probably say, oh, yeah, by the transforming of your heart, right? That'd probably be the most, you know, spiritual thing, right? The the transformation of the heart. No, 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 no. Paul says it's not the heart. Because the heart filled with emotions can trick you. Emotions can sway you one way or the other. But he says you have to be established in your thinking. In your thinking, he says, but don't, but don't, don't, no, he says, transform. He says, let God transform you into a new person by the changing of the way you think. Of the way you think. And, and, and I read that and I look and I go, oh, yeah, what he's saying. And in the first part, he says, let God. What does that mean? That means, Pastor Daniel ain't going to come up with a knife at your throat. You're going to get baptized on May. One I know him, he wouldn't do that, but he would never do that. That's not how people are saved. We're not. This isn't the inquisition. We're not going to force you into baptism. We're not going to force you to serve God. He's not going on Sunday, run to everybody's house. Better be at church. Better be at church or I'll go flat your tires. Not going to happen. Right. It's let God. Think about that. Think about that for a second. Let God. And Paul's hitting a big one here because he knows how many of us resist. Oh, that can't be God. Yeah, come on. You're asking a little bit too much. Ten percent. Now, if you said one percent of my salary, but ten percent I got to give. Yikes. You're almost as bad as as the tax guy. You know, right. We, we resist on things what i got to do come on that's kind of you mean i and we resist and, and god isn't going to force you and so paul says you have to let god you have to let god and, and and god is there waiting patiently and saying i'm here and paul says you have to let god but the moment we allow god Look what happens. The moment we allow God, He transforms us into a new person by changing the way we think. And so we no longer think about the customs and behaviors of the world as something we want to pursue. And and the the things that the desires and the the things that our our, our bodies crave and and that we're tricked into thinking that that's what's going to satisfy us. That's what's going to make us. That's what's going to make me. No. He changes, creates us a new person in the way that we think. So we no longer think I need that. But rather we start to understand, no, I need God. I need God transform me every day. It's a transformation process. Every day we're just taking another step closer to God, another step closer to becoming like Him, another step learning how to serve Christ better, another step learning who He is, another step saying, I'll serve you, God, no matter what's coming in my life. And every day we're transforming how to serve God, how to be a Christian, if you will, a believer, better and better. And how is it? By allowing God. Let God through our thinking, through our thinking. And, and I get it. There's some smart people and there's, but you're not going to outsmart God. And Paul understood this because, because he understood it. Because that was his life. He thought he was too smart for God. And so God had to punch him right off of his horse with a bright light. To get his attention. You're going, well, what? what is he talking about? Read Acts, read Acts, and you'll find out about, about his conversion. So he gets the transformation process of how we think and allowing, and so that God can do that change and that transformation in us. And then he says, not only does he transform how we think, but look at how the verse ends says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person changing the way you think. Then, and only at that point when you allow God and when he transforms the way you're thinking, then you will learn to know God's will for you. And, and that's such a huge one, probably more so with young people. Young people are like, well, How do I know God's will? How do I know what to do? Well, easy, because let me read. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you. Hallelujah. So how many are like, man, do I go here? Do I do this? What do I do in life? Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you. So when you come up in those times in life and you're a little unsure, hey, what's God's will for me? Romans 12, 2. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you. So what that tells me is when we're unsure about God's will, it's because we're still pressing back against God. We're not allowing him to transform the way we think. We're still pushing back against God. No, I know better, God. I got this. I had, you know, just take a seat. Watch this. I got it. And God's going, okay, do it again then. I'll wait until you're on the floor again. I'll pick you up, right? Like a little kid who's learning to walk, right? And they fall over. Parents have to come over, pick them up. And, and we think we got it. We don't because we have to allow God It says, You will learn to know what is God's will for you. And I love the way Paul wraps up how we know what God's will and what God's will is, because he says that's that which is good and pleasing and perfect. Good and pleasing and perfect. What Paul is saying is that God truly desires good things for you. How? Because it says right there, God's will, which is good. God desires pleasing things for you. Yesterday, last night, Pastor Daniel and Sister Son, they took us to go eat some pleasing food. Man, I knew I was in God's will. The only problem was I couldn't eat more. That, that, was the, uh, that was like, God, please more. And it's like, no, you're full. You're going to rip open. Stop, right? But it was pleasing, right? We know what's pleasing. And when we think about it, on the spiritual side, God saying, man, I have for you what is good, what is pleasing. Pleasing means he wants us to enjoy it. You know how funny that, that people think, oh, you're going to be Christian, you're going to give your... That means you can't do anything fun. Wait, wait, let me read again. Good and pleasing. Amen. Pleasing. Serving God. Allowing God and God's will is pleasing. It's not a boring life. I tell you, I'm not a boring person. I'm having fun serving God. I don't know about that. I'm having fun. Pastor, Dan, you having fun serving God? Yeah. Now, is that everything? I mean, is everything easy in life? No. I didn't say it. Let me read it again. Good. Pleasing and perfect. Anyone here easy in there? Anyone say you get the winning lottery numbers in there? No. Now that might be your version of pleasing. But that's not God's definition of pleasing. His definition of pleasing is those things we really need. He's going to surround us with those things that we truly, truly need to live a good, a pleasing, and a perfect, perfect. And that's a hard word for us. Because like, perfect? Count me out then, I'm out. No, no, no. It didn't say that you're perfect. See, because we sometimes read Scripture wrong, right? Because I would have got there and someone already turned out, whoop, there goes me. I I ain't even close to perfect. Oh, well, try some other religion. No. It says, then you will learn what God's will is for you, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's the perfectness of God. Not you. That God is perfect. That God's presence is pleasing. That what He has, His Holy Spirit, it's good. It's going to fill your life with what's good. And so we look at this and we say, ah, I get what Paul's saying. Don't, don't, Uh, copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think that way I know exactly I'm going to learn in the process of transformation and that as he transforms me into this new person I'm going to learn that which is good I'm going to learn that which is pleasing and that which is perfect in his eyes, not in mine because we're still looking at the world saying that's good See, when I have X amount of money in my bank account, that's good. When I'm driving X type of vehicle, that's good. When I have a house with X amount, no, 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 no. That which is good and pleasing and perfect in God's eyes, in His kingdom. And so He's transforming us so that we can start to learn and to see that. And so that we can fully, fully, fully embrace what He has for us. I'm going to ask that you stand as I close with just one other thought. A thought with about three or four points. To be, you know, I don't want you to say I'm a liar. See, one of the the, the first steps, as I said before, to salvation is acknowledging where we're at, our position. And so maybe we've been far from God and we need to take a step and say, God, man, I believe and I need to just be forgiven and and, and I give my life to you. That's the initial step of salvation. And as we do that, then we ask God, and change my behaviors, my, my actions. Don't let me look to the customs of the world. And if we do so, then we start the transformation, and then we start to say, God, and let me reflect what your kingdom is. Let me have a mindset of your kingdom. And then that's probably, I would say, the challenge I have initially for you. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to allow God? Are you willing... To allow God. You have to take that step of faith. Are you willing? He's going to change everything. Your thought process now is to push against it. But if you allow him, he's going to change all that. You're going to see different. You're going to understand different. And that doesn't go just for someone who has not accepted Christ or hasn't accepted the baptism. But I'm praying, I'm praying that you do and that, man, I want to hear that report. I want to hear that report and that's why I'm praying God let that happen but it's not just someone initially because Paul was writing to believers and so we also know it's for us because there may be some of us that we're still kind of resisting God we're saved by grace we're, 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 we're kind of trying to really do and, but there's things that are inhibiting us and the reason is because we're still trying to do the customs and the thoughts of the world And we need to allow God to continue His process and change the way we think. And so the invitation today to the altar is are you willing to allow God to change your life whether it's the initial step or whether it's an ongoing process? An ongoing process. And so after... I'd like to lead a prayer. After I... I pray, I invite you up to the altar. I'd love to, and I'm sure Pastor Daniel as well. We'd love to pray with you. Just pray a blessing over your life. So there as you're standing, let's pray, and then the altar will be open. God, we we look at your word, and we thank you for the power of your word, and it tells us if we are willing, you desire, God you will make us into that new person with a new thought process that you'll change the way we think and that your desire is for us to have salvation, Lord. Your desire is for us to have eternal life with you. And so I ask you, God, in that endless supply of your mercy and your grace that covers us, God, make us new, shape us, Lord, to the power of your Holy Spirit through your word, God. Especially I ask, For that person that is here that has not accepted you, but does have a belief, let them take that step of faith, Lord. Let them begin that process of salvation. Let them accept salvation, Lord. And let them be baptized on Baptism Sunday. And that person that is struggling a little bit with with really fully giving everything to you, God. I pray that they just allow you. That they allow you. Let them be willing, Lord. Let them be willing. In Jesus' name.